We need our money. We need it now. I don't got that kind of time because it's the panorama. Okay? I live with my grandparents in high school, in Thomasville Heights, a neighborhood in Southeast Atlanta. When I was 14, my great aunt called my grandma's house. I was polite when I told her my grandparents were home. She asked where they were and I told her I wasn't sure. I guess that didn't sit well with her because she started calling me stupid, going off real bad. And just before she hung up, she bet me a dollar I wouldn't graduate high school. She said I wouldn't be anything but a mother in the projects. Now what's shocking for you was normal to me. I grew up being called stupid, fat, frisky, a stripper, a fast-tailed girl, a heifer, a nigga, and even a bitch. All by women in my family and all before I turned 16. I used to wonder how the people closest to you could say things to crush your spirit. I wonder how love and cruelty could live in the same house. I prayed to God that he would give me empathy for my enemies, put me in a place of elevation to understand everything that made people like this. Well, I graduated high school valedictorian, headed for an, a little Ivy League school in Connecticut, a virgin with a vow to wait for whenever I was ready. All while watching my aunt go blind. Now, I don't know if this was karma, and I don't really care. All I know is God showed me what I asked for. After that, I made a wholehearted vow to move far away from my family. <laughs> I never knew that for years to come, I'd be dating my family. Reliving my childhood trauma and relationships with partners who showed me both love and cruelty. I became a professional leaver. Staying only long enough to gather lessons in empathy, psychology, misogyny. All in all, I gained a bank of emotional intelligence, resilience, but I never did get my fucking dollar. Welcome back to Stepdaddy Season. I'm your host, Amber Inadehi. This week we're picking up right where we left off. Now, I do want to start by opening the podcast and telling you guys to please take time to subscribe, like, rate, and review this podcast. Yeah, just do that for me. Please follow me on Instagram at stepdaddyseasonpod. You can feel free to email me at stepdaddyseason at gmail.com. Let me know what's going on in your life, what's happening with you. Now, as promised, I said I was going to start off every single episode with a fun fact about me. So this week, I am going to talk about my disability. So I am an upper extremity amputee. That means I'm missing something that's at the top of my body. I'm missing my left forearm just below the elbow. My arm is super cute. It looks like a smiley face. And when I move my muscles, I can make it talk. Will I do that for you? Probably not. <laughs> you gotta be a real special friend of mine. For me to do that or my son. <laughs> but um, I'm really confident. I've been like this since I was born. So judge your mother. I don't care. 
Um, I love my body. I wouldn't want to be any other way. I was homecoming queen. I've done kickboxing. I play softball. I pretty much do every single thing that I want to do. And the things that I can't do, y'all niggas with two arms can't do them. So we're on equal footing. <laughs> Basically, I make things happen with less resources than you. And I do it better. I mean, it's not really a debate. You can argue with your mama as well. But yeah, so that's my fun fact this week. I don't think I'll ever forget that one though, because my buddy's always here. My arm's name is Armando. My son calls it Army. I probably shouldn't have told y'all that because y'all gonna be trying to do that when y'all try to get in good with me. <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all this really funny story and then I'm gonna leave it alone, okay? So when I was growing up, because I've been an amputee since I was born, um, my mom always used to say that for people that I really liked, I would wave with my hand. And then for people who I did not fuck with, I would wave with my arm. I actually think I'm going to reinstate that. So if you see me waving at you in my arm, you know what time it is. Mm -hmm. But anyway, welcome back to Stepdaddy Season. Thank you for coming back again to listen to my wild ass story. Now, this is going to be a difficult episode for me. This episode does contain descriptions of domestic violence. So if you are sensitive to that, I completely understand. I just want you to know that listener discretion is advised. I will be providing some resources at the end of this episode, as well as doing a nice segment so that we can talk about like the mental health behind abuse and, you know, everything that happens with that breakdown, because when you're in it, you don't really see it coming. So I want to just give you guys some of those warning signs to look for. So you don't end up in a situation that you'll regret or where you might end up being a victim. Now, in the event that you still do end up in a situation where you are a victim, it is not your fault. One of the things that I had to get over in my situation is the shame. And honestly, I still feel it. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. I still feel the shame. And I know in my mind I shouldn't. But it's just something that I just can't believe that I had to go through. But yeah, so. Let's just go right ahead and pick up where we left things off. So in the end of the last episode, I told you guys that I found out that this nigga, JD, was not only talking to women, but the pictures that he was using on dating apps were photos from our wedding, specifically the first look from when he first saw me, right? So when I brought it to him, we're in our guest room and judah is asleep in the bed with his dad so i woke him up and i'm like what is this about you know i'm like oh my god like i already know the truth like you lied and this and that and i'm not yelling i'm just like getting him up because i know the baby's sleeping i'm like explain and so he's kind of groggy still you know he told me that he was using the photos but he's still kind of trying to come to and i'm like i have your phone like i saw everything you need to get out and so i don't know what it was for him but at that moment he just snapped so he started charging at me and so I run into the master bedroom, which is right next door. Before I can get my foot in the door, he like tackles me <laughs> and throws me onto the bed. So now he's on me and we are fighting, basically. He's like tossing me around. And the whole time I'm saying like, why are you doing this? Like, I'm talking to him and I'm like, are you serious? Like, are you serious? And he's like, give me my phone, give me my phone. And I'm like, but I've already seen everything. And he's like, give me my phone, give me my phone. And I'm like, no, like, and in my mind, I'm thinking like, I done seen pretty much everything in here. It had to be something way worse in there that he didn't want me to see that had him tossing my ass around this room, which is literally what he was doing. And I was in such shock that this man had literally raged out on me that I'm just like, 
what is happening? So eventually he doesn't get the phone. So he gives up. And I'm just like in a fetal position on the bed. Like this nigga just tossed me around this broom. Like what the fuck is going on? So he gets up and he's like, fuck it. I don't give a fuck anymore. Fuck it. I'm going to get in the bed. So he goes to get in the bed and I'm like, you need to leave. And he's like, no. So I get up and I'm like, okay, fuck this nigga won't leave. So I got to leave. So I leave the house for like five minutes. I try to call my friend so I can just tell her what's going on because I got to get it off my chest. And I'm like, bitch, this is my house. I'm going to fuck back. So I go back here and I'm like, I'm not going to get no sleep tonight. So you need to get out the bed. Like, wake the fuck up. I'm about to beat your ass. Now, honestly, I done told y'all I'm an amputee, right? This nigga's a foot taller than me. <laughs> this nigga probably got maybe like 50 pounds on me. So I'm little and I only got one hand. So the most I can do is like pop him in the back of the head like a black mama on a sitcom. You know what I'm saying? Like real my wife and kids. How they used to pop Junior in the back of the head. So I'm doing that. And I'm like pushing him. But he's not going to budge. So he, we're just up. And so I'm like get out. And he's like I'm not going anywhere. I, my mind is like what's happening? So I end up just going in the room. And I'm just taking his clothes and I'm throwing them out. Now I done told y'all the first time I packed them up nice and neat. This time, I'm just throwing them bitches down the stairs. I'm throwing them down the stairs. And so, in one of the texts I saw, he had met up with this girl that I didn't know about from his real estate class. And I found the outfit that he went out in. So, I was like, I'll bet I'm going to cut this shit up. Because I can't do nothing else. This nigga won't leave the house. I'm not leaving the house. So, I'm cutting this shit up. And then he's like, oh, you cutting up clothes? Well, cut this shit up too. And he starts hurling clothes in my face. He's hitting me in the face with clothes. And I'm like, what the fuck part of the game is this? I'm the one who's supposed to be pissed off. And so, mind you, the outfit I cut up, I bought, right? So, he throwing more and more stuff in my face. So, I'm going through it. I'm like, he like, cut this up too. Cut this up too. I said, well, absolutely. Let me go get my scissors. So, I take the clothes. Of course, I'll leave the clothes that I bought. And I go and I sit downstairs, right? So, I'm sitting down there. And I'm cutting up clothes. It's dead silent in the house. So, you can hear me like this. Scissors is echoing through the house. I'm cutting shit up. Now, I'm telling y'all, I only cut up shit I bought. And it's only because I want you to be able to leave here with clothes, right? I don't want you to be able to say I destroyed all your things. But what you won't do is you won't leave with the swag that I bought you, okay? What you will leave with is them even all around haircuts that you came with and them fucking boot cut jeans and J's, bitch. You leave the house in that. That temp fade, they need to stay. This, this swag that I got you this not leaving this house so i cut up like maybe three shirts maybe like three pair of pants so i'm and i'm actually feeling good now like because i'm able to get the energy off me you know something physical to really just you know and here comes this nigga down the stairs right and so i can hear the way he coming he's upset and he's like you really finna cut up all my clothes and i'm like you told me to cut up your clothes <laughs> You told me to do this. And he was like, I didn't think you was really going to do it. And I'm like, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? <laughs> I told you to leave here because it wasn't a good situation. You won't leave. You done tossed me around this motherfucking bedroom. And then you're going to come out here. As soon as he comes out in the corner, he's charging at me again. So I'm running around. I'm like, oh my God, like what the fuck is happening? <laughs> so he snatches me up. So at this moment, I'm up in the air. Like, I'm like a kid. I'm like, put me down, put me down. So he twists my arms in front of me. So they're like crisscross in front of me. Mind you, I don't have a left hand. So it's nothing there. 
to stop scissors in my right hand. So I'm twisting and turning like a toddler trying to get out of this hold. And I bend over at my waist because that's the only way I can kind of get down. So as soon as I did that, he drops me. And I'm like, whoo, thank God. But when I, when I get up, I see he's like, fuck, fuck, look what you did. And I look and it's like a cut on the side of him. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm immediately like, oh my God, let me clean it. Let me make sure it's fine and bandaged up you know what i'm saying because this nigga what he not gonna do is say that i stabbed him because that's not what this was right and so he's like fuck it so he tries to get in the bed with my baby with blood all on him and i'm like absolutely not so i clean it with peroxide i bandage it up and i'm like see this went too far you shouldn't have put your hands on me like what are we doing like and so he's just like raging he's so mad and i'm like you're the one who is wrong like I still to this day don't understand that. And so I'm like kind of just in shock. So mind you, we're just up because I'm just like, I literally can't go to bed. So I end up like staying up until I have to go to work the next morning. And I tell him before I leave out the house, I was like, you need to have your shit ready to go by the time I fucking get back. And so I went into the bedroom right before I left too. And I grabbed my wedding ring because it was a certain point where I had given it back to him. And I was like, you know, if you want to try this again, then we just gonna have to start over. You'll have to just ask me to recommit because you're not here. So I took my wedding ring, I went to work and I'm texting him and I'm, I told him, you need to go get Similac because I'm not gonna be able to make breast milk cause I'm stressed out. You have stressed me out to the point where I'm not producing anything. So that was hard. Um, I'm like shell shocked at work cause I'm like, this really went left like i'm ashamed because i'm like oh my god why would i cut up clothes like i'm not even that type of person to be doing that but then i'm also like this nigga just tossed me around my house like who the fuck is this this same nigga who was fighting for me for years and bending over backwards just trying to do everything in his power and this this person who used to be my protector is my enemy i've never had nothing like that happen to me before so on my way home, in very Blue Cantrell fashion, I go to the fucking pawn shop and I pawn my wedding ring. Because one, bitch, I don't have any money. And two, I don't give a fuck about this ring. It don't mean shit. So I pawn that shit. And the thing that I hate about niggas is, your ass can be in the middle of a fucking hurricane, holding your nigga's dead body, and a nigga's still gonna try to talk to you. I'm in a pawn shop, pawning my fucking wedding ring set. And these niggas in front of me and behind me are like, ooh, this is a pretty ring. Oh, you must be getting divorced. Oh, so that mean you dating? Nigga, if you will get away from me, <laughs> I don't even want to see niggas. I don't even want niggas to breathe my air right now. Like, I'm so disgusted. I really feel like I was just so in shock. But I was very proud of that moment. I was. So I get to the house and I set my stuff down on the table. Not realizing I set the receipt down, but also not giving a fuck. So the nigga comes down and I'm like, why aren't you, why is your stuff gone why are you still here and he's like oh no i'm not leaving and i'm like no the fuck you getting the fuck out of here like you need to go or i'm calling police or i'm calling my dad like which one do you want it to be and so he comes downstairs and he sees my ring receipt and he's like oh so you really had to get that done and i was like absolutely what are we fucking talking about <laughs> so 
he ends up um, getting his shit together. And then I'm like, just, I'll drop you off at your mom's house. Because it's like 10 minutes down the road. It's nothing. So when I drop him off at his mom's house, we end up having this talk. And, like, he's boohoo crying. We're both crying. Because I'm just like, how do we get? He's like, we should, we should both be ashamed. And I'm like, mm, should we? We, <laughs> like... I I mean, like, I feel like I turned up for myself, but I, I don't feel like we turned up the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I was not charging at you, threatening you. You know, I was not throwing clothes. I was not physically assaulting you. Like, it was not that type of time. So, but we cried or whatever. I got a flat tire leaving this nigga house. I'm like, God, is this a fucking sign? Please don't do this to me. Cause I'm trying to get away from this nigga. And I think it was God saying, girl, are you really going to leave? <laughs> huh. So ironic because at this time I'm working at a domestic violence shelter. That was the first job that I got coming back off of maternity leave. I remember my first day I went in, I was listening to Chasing Summer, which carried me through a lot. Between that and my breakup playlist that I made, I was hitting, it was like, I did not miss. So <laughs> first day I had to clean rooms and I was getting paid like $11 an hour. And it was just like, I always been a humble person, but I just remember like coming off of that incident at the house with him and feeling how I felt going into that shelter and cleaning those rooms, I was just like, damn, this is my life for real. This is my life. Like, I'm here around these women, hearing their stories, and now my stories sound just like theirs. It was so surreal. I think my lowest moment was when I was getting ready for work immediately after we had that incident at the house and I'm looking in the mirror and I see his handprints on my arms bruised and they took so long to go away that was the moment when I really realized that this was a real bad situation like and I was so ashamed believe that this was happening to me and I didn't do anything to deserve it other part like anytime I'm trying to tell somebody what's going on with me their first question is well what did you do even with my family like there was always well what did you do what did you do like you must have done something and I'm like I didn't do anything to deserve this like even then I knew I didn't do anything to deserve any of this stuff it's just there was no validation until I had that conversation with Gabrielle was during my first night shift with my coworker Gabrielle and we were sitting down and we were talking and we had been talking about our lives and I ended up opening up to her about everything that had happened the emotional abuse the you know the economic manipulation like everything that was going on like the disrespect in front of his family even that physical night that we had just had. And I remember her sitting there and she was like, Amber. And I was like, yeah. She was like, I don't want to say it. And I'm like, no, say it. And she's like, it sounds like you're in a domestic violence situation. And I said, I know. And I am. And we sat there and 
we just felt the heaviness i think and even now i could still feel it i'm hearing all these young girls call the phone and they sound like me and they're like oh you so strong you would never be in this situation and i'm like just because you're in a situation doesn't mean you're not strong you know what i'm saying like you don't see this stuff coming it sneaks up on you in my situation i had been telling everybody what was going wrong i had been telling everybody what was happening before gabrielle nobody acknowledged it like that that was the first time in that conversation that anybody had acknowledged my situation as domestic violence and it was like Whew, like I could just breathe because I knew the shit was fucked up. But the thing is, when you're around people who are all traumatized, your trauma looks like less trauma, right? So they're trying to talk you into staying in this situation because they think it's healthy or at least healthier than theirs when y'all all fucked up. And that was my situation. I'm getting advice from people who had babies on it. I'm getting advice from people who experience infidelity. I'm getting advice from people who had kids pop up on them, who, who I had seen in very psychologically manipulative and abusive situations. They're giving me advice. And so the way that I always judge advice is, I look at the person and I'm like, do I want a life like yours? Do you have the level of happiness that I want? Are you producing at the level that I want to produce? If the answer is no, I cannot take your advice. Do I want kids? How your kids are? <laughs> you know, just straight up. Do I want my edges to look how your edges look? Do I want my waist to look how your waist look? I'm really looking at your life and I'm seeing like, is this, is this something that's in alignment with me? And if it's not, then I cannot deal with it. And that's what I had to really start doing. Like my whole life, I had been gaslit by my family, told that I'm too emotional, I'm too sensitive. But then after going to counseling, I'm realizing I'm a regular fucking person. Y'all are the weirdos. <laughs> Y'all are the ones who are out of touch. I'm the one who knows what's going on with myself. I'm the one who's experiencing life in real time. I mean, I'm very self-aware and I'm very intuitive and I can tell when something's wrong. But my whole life, when something has been wrong, my family has been telling me, it's you that's wrong. <laughs> You're the misfit. You're the outcast. You're the one that's the problem. We walking on eggshells around you because you don't fit. But the thing is, my family always prayed that somebody would come in and break generational curses. And that's what the fuck I'm doing, right? That's why my life has been so difficult because I'm coming in and I'm disrupting the very fabric of this family and trying to challenge every single thing that you guys always lived with and felt like it was normal. But the thing is, that normalcy doesn't even feel good to y'all. It feels shitty. <laughs> feels horrible. Y'all are unhappy. But people can't admit that because if they have to admit the unhappiness, then they have to admit that their childhoods weren't as rosy as they paint them to be. They have to admit that there was room for growth within themselves, within their parents, within generations before them. And people aren't ready to have those conversations like I am. People aren't ready to hear the truth like I am. Over the next few weeks, I try to allow time for him to kind of clean up everything you know I'm just trying to feel the vibe and see where his mind is so I did make space to have conversations like as friends because I always thought we were friends so even if I'm pissed 
I pull up on him and be like, what the fuck is going on with you? Like, let's talk one-on-one. Put all the shit to the side. Like, I want to know where your mind is because this is not the nigga who I was with. Like, if this was you, I would have never been with you. So, like, where's the nigga I was with? And he's like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm trying to get back to myself and just kicking all this bullshit. And he's just like, I promise I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get back. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And let's go to couples counseling. And I'm like, okay. All right. I'm thinking about it. He's like, I'll find me a counselor. I'm like, okay. Right. Sure. So maybe like a week passes and he is still talking to women, right? There's this girl named Kay is what I'll call her, who was like his favorite person that he was talking to at the time right and so i'm just feeling a little froggy one day and i decide that i am going to reach out to Kay. she has a very distinct name so i found her instagram and i went lord this girl looked like she prayed all the time she just has like the glow of god on her skin right scriptures every other post like and I know y'all be like, oh, church girls got another side. But this girl really, she just seemed very sincere. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, this girl don't have no idea who she talking to. So in half, I want to ruin his life. Half, I'm going to look out for this girl. I do the very Amber thing. And <laughs> I make a group message on Instagram. So I put him in it. I put her in it, right? And I send her the damn wedding pictures and I send her this message. Hey girl, I know you don't know me, but you've been getting to know my husband over the past few weeks after meeting on Tinder. I thought you might like to know that those gorgeous photos from his dating profile are actually photos from our wedding. We're currently still married. We were in love and we're living together until I realized he had been talking to you and several other women while literally sleeping next to me and our son every night, kissing us on the forehead as he leaves. <laughs> I'm sure he'd likely been just as dishonest with you. So I decided to reach out just to give you a solid heads up about how this nigga is really getting down out here. I also found out we were at the U-Bar on the same night. I steer clear the bull inside the club but couldn't outside of the club, obviously. He's supposed to come along, but decided to stay home at the last minute. Beware of men with ill intentions. Peace and love to you, sis. Now, because she is a real God-fearing woman, she responds to me and it was completely positive. She was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I have never met somebody who was so charming and so deceitful at the same time. And she just said a little prayer over me and wished me love and happiness and that I would find the man I was really supposed to be with. It was a very nice sisterhood moment and I really lived for those because, you know, I'm just that type of woman. And so... Immediately after I had sent that message, he called me and he was like, are you happy now? And I was like, bitch, what? He was like, are you happy now? And I was like, why the fuck would I be happy? My life is shambly like Tucker Road, bitch. I am not happy. What are you talking about? Now, do I feel content in this moment? Of course. Am I cackling? I am. Because nigga... I don't want you to feel an ounce of happiness. I actually want you to feel hellfire. I don't give a fuck at all, right? 
And so he's like, I can't believe you. You're so childish. I took an L behind this situation. I said, how fucking dare you call my phone and tell me that you took an L behind somebody you don't even know that you talking about the fucking weather with? He's like, I see that's your problem. That's your problem. You think I'm supposed to be with you. You think you're the only person for me and I'm supposed to be with you for the rest of my life. I said, are you stupid? Because you asked me to marry you. I didn't ask to marry you. I didn't even care about being here. You broke your back to get me on this side. That's what marriage is. He was like, you know, honestly, now that that's over, do you want to work it out? And I'm like, absolutely not. What the fuck are you talking about? I am done with you. (laughs) And he's like, no, 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 it's done. Like you, it's already done. So now me and you can work it out. And I was like, you know what? If I had one wish for one meal for you to eat for the rest of your life, it would be dicks. It would be a golden corral buffet style array of dicks, short ones, fat ones, ones that you gag on for the rest of your fucking life because you got me fucked up and you sound stupid as fuck. And then I hung up the phone. (laughs) So then my friends start coming in and out of town, right? Mind you, this all is happening in a matter of like three weeks. We three weeks out from the incident. First, my friend Allie and Aisha came. They came from uh, New York to see me. You're and it was really cool we had a good time we went out and so i i filled them in on what was going on told them why that nigga wasn't here they got to see judah it was really cute and then i got to go to a bride on bride wedding and really see what love looked like and it was just so beautiful but anyway so i remember then we had an agreement he and i did that he was supposed to be helping me pay bills right our bills are twenty two hundred dollars right because we're behind when he leaves the house, I realize exactly how behind we are. So my mortgage is months behind. My car is also months behind. I'm in a hole. And then I realize this nigga left me with twelve, thirteen thousand dollars in debt. He makes like I would say between twenty four, twenty six hundred dollars a month. So I just needed twelve. That's all I needed. I just needed $1,200 a month. That's all I asked for. And I was going to make up the rest, do what I had to do, because I was making significantly less money than him. I had two part-time jobs, and I was probably making like $800 every two weeks. It was just not hitting. So I'm hustling. You know, I'm trying to get the money. He's supposed to send me a certain amount. He never does, ever. And so I'm starting to figure out, okay, like, I'm finna have to finesse this. Like, I'm finna have to just, like, parlay with this nigga for a little bit and see where his mind is. Because I'm having a politic with him for him to send me money. Like, he doesn't have the fucking, like, the heart to make sure that his son and his wife have a roof over their head. Like, I don't understand. He didn't have any bills. He didn't have a car note. He didn't have a rent because he was staying at his mom's house. So I didn't understand why he couldn't send me the agreed upon amount of money that he was supposed to other than him just not wanting to. It didn't make sense to me. I felt like it's not enough for you to send me what you think I should have. We made an agreement. You're supposed to send me what you're supposed to send. And he couldn't even do that. His word literally meant absolutely nothing. 
So he's like, oh, you know, let's just try counseling. Let's give it a last ditch effort. And everybody around me is like, oh, you know, exhaust all your resources before you give up on your marriage. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I contact my counselor because he's asked me so many times. And then I get an email from Kay. And Kay's like, hey, um, I just want to let you know that I blocked your nigga, but he's sending me emails. And in the email, he's like begging her, please let me tell my side. So I send a nigga the email. He calls me. He's like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, I can't believe she would do that. And I'm like, she has no loyalty to you. She doesn't want to talk to you. She doesn't care about you because she doesn't know you. And he's like, okay, well, you know, since I can't take her out to dinner, you want to go for some frozen yogurt? And I hang up on this nigga because I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Like, something is not going up to the top. Like, it's like something he's unraveling. Like, I'm watching him unravel. And I really don't know what it was. Like, I don't know if it was a nervous breakdown or like some kind of mental illness, but something was really happening with him at this time. The next few weeks, he really started to exhibit some very erratic behavior. So the first thing that he did, he went missing. So for like eight hours after school, his sister called me and she was just like, oh my God, we can't find him. We can't find him anywhere. He was supposed to ride home with us and he's not picking up his phone. Both his work phone and his regular phone are dead. Like, I can't tell where he is. So I'm calling him, calling him, nothing. He finally pops up at his mom's house, maybe 10 o'clock. So he was missing for like eight hours. Um, and when we talked to him, he's just like, oh yeah, my phone went dead. So I walked home from East Point to Forest Park. And I'm like, nigga, you passed so many phones in between then. Why would you not call anybody? He's like, well, I just wanted to walk. I'm like, okay. Then he started doing really random things. Like he would just be waking up and telling me he's driving to Indiana with his brother. And I'm like, we got a baby. So what are we doing? Like, I don't really understand that. Um, he would come over to the house because I still let him come over and see Judah. Like, I'm a firm believer. No matter what's going on, it's not my right to stand in between a child and their father. Like, I don't know what it's like to grow up without my dad. So I never wanted to put that on a child unless it's causing my son harm. It's not my space to stand in between him and his father. And at that point, it wasn't really reason for me to believe that. Right. So he saw Judith pretty frequently. He had the opportunity to see him at least every other day because we stay in such close proximity. He's coming over for bad time. And every single time he's coming over there, he's like, we're going to work it out. Like, I want to be with you. You're the only one that I want. We're going to be back together. And I'm like, uh-huh. He's like, yeah. And I'm going to pay off your house and I'm going to pay off your car and I'm going to put you through school. Just wait. Just watch. I'm about to do all of this stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just have one question to ask you. And he's like, what is it? And I say, are you still talking to women? And he's like, uh, yeah, you are. Okay. So this happens like two or three times. After that, while he's giving Judah a bath, I go to the car and I just go through his phone. And I see that not only is he still talking to women, he's still talking to the women that I had seen him talking to. That night we got into it. He's texting these women. It's super like, weather. How's the weather? What's like, it's so just literally small talk. It's like cotton candy and rainbows type of shit, which I know niggas are like, well, nigga wants to feel peace. He want to feel like it's not so much stress when he comes home. My thing is y'all niggas be the stress. If you cause stress in the house, you're responsible for having to clean up the mess that you made. 
Don't expect to have peace and you're not peaceful. Okay, babe? Whatever you putting out is what you get back. So I'm looking at these texts. Like, I have a whole bunch of empty canvases here because I'm an artist. He drew a hummingbird on one of them for me. He took a picture of it and sent it to this girl and was like, oh my gosh, I didn't tell you I'm an artist. We should work together and finish this painting as an art date. When I see this shit, I'm just telling him, you can do whatever you want to do, but leave me the fuck out of it. As a matter of fact, can you just go and find you a bitch who likes science? Find you a bitch who likes geography? Find somebody who's so far away from me and leave me out of it. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, literally, just leave me out of it. So we ended up having this conversation, right? And he's talking to me. I want to talk. Like, I want to be able to say my side for once because you never let me talk. And I'm like, where the fuck is this coming from? Because all I've ever done is ask this nigga to talk. And he ignores me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let you talk. So he's talking and he's just like, I just want to say that honestly, all of this is your fault. I said, really? He said, see, let me talk. I said, I am. Go ahead. I really want to hear where this is going. Let me talk. I said, go ahead. He said, I just feel like all of this is your fault because you put it in my mind to talk to other women when you talked about getting separated. He said, yeah, so what do you have to say for yourself? And I was like, you want me to talk now? He was like, yeah, what you got to say? And I was like, you sound fucking stupid. And let's do the math. I talked to you twice and I told you, hey. If you talk to other people, I'm gonna fucking be pissed off and it's over, right? That's two times. And you said I put it in your mind to talk to women after those two times. Now, if it was in your mind to talk to those women after those two times, what about the six years worth of me talking to you about going to counseling? How did that miss your mind? If those two times put it into your mind to talk to these women and it's my fault, why aren't you in counseling and that's my fault? Because that would make more fucking sense to me. What are we talking about? So then he's like, I'm not done talking. See, you always got to talk. I said, keep going because I really want to see where this is going to go. Then he's like, I want to ask you, how did it feel when you got that email from Kay? Like, what did it feel like? How did it hurt you? And in my mind, I'm like, this nigga is a sadist. Like, something's really wrong with him. Like, he's dead serious. And he's like, you're not going to answer. I'm like, you know how it made me feel. I'm not answering that. Whatever. What's next? So then he says, you know, I just feel like if you would have took time to understand me and you would have took time to really think about me and what I was dealing with postpartum, we wouldn't even be in this situation. There's so many things that I really needed to, to be done and steps that you could have taken. I said, right. Like sending you videos on Instagram about male postpartum, like cooking you dinners like trying to be there for you, like trying to empathize with you. I said, my problem is I love black men to my detriment. And I can't do that no more. I really can't. So he's just like, no, nah, the problem is we talk in circles. We just keep talking in circles and we can't get nothing done. I said, you are correct. I said, you talk in circles. And then I walk around behind your ass trying to figure out where you coming from and you just keep talking and walking in circles and bitch i'm dizzy i'm finished i don't want to do this shit no motherfucking more you can have it <laughs> then my friend priscilla comes in town and so me and percy the same type we just like 
<laughs> make these niggas beg, make them suffer. So he had begged me to go on a date. He was like, please just go on a date with me for my birthday. Please, please, please. And so Priscilla was like, just go get you some good food. Like tell him to take you where you want to go, blah, blah, blah. So I tell him to take me to this Korean barbecue place. We had a cool time. It was all right. A few days later, I'm asking for my money, right? And of course, you know it. He spent the child support and the bill money to take us out on a date, right? I tell him that doesn't count because I really took us out. And if I knew that was the case, I would have just stayed in the house. Why would you think it's smart to use money that we don't have to try to get me to be in your good graces when really I'm more pissed off? So he's pissed off that I'm pissed off. And I'm just like, oh my God, this nigga is the most annoying nigga I ever met in my life. And then to add insult to injury, he forgot my son at daycare. So I went on a trip with my sister and one of her really good friends, we went to California. So much fun, we went to, to the Lights On Fest in 2019. JD was supposed to go on this trip because it was the weekend of his birthday, but things were getting kind of rocky. So he was like, I'm just gonna let you go with your sister, have a good time. So he knew very well the dates, where I was going, what I was gonna be doing, everything. I made sure that he knew I needed him to pick up Judah from school because normally I pick Judah up every single day. So I said, this particular Friday, you have to get him because I will be in California. I will not be in the state. You don't get him. The school can call defects. And he's like, I got it. I got it. You don't need to keep telling me. I got it. Like my niece is going to pick him up from school. Don't even worry about it. So I tell the teachers and everybody to anticipate that. Also, my family is volunteering to watch Judah and they're like, we'll get him. Don't even worry about it. I'm like, no, we have to allow his father the opportunity to get him first. When the time comes and I land in California, it's 7 p.m. Eastern time. I get a call from my dad when I land and he is holding my son. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, JD forgot to get him from school. So the school called me and I went to go get him. The school lets out at 2, 2.30. My dad has my son at 7 p.m. This nigga ain't call, ain't text. He doesn't even realize he forgot to get my son at the school. So then I have to text him and I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, you forgot to get Judah at school. He was like, no, I wasn't supposed to get him. I didn't even know you were going out of town. I'm like, you're a fucking liar. Everybody knew we were going out of town. Like your family knew I was going out of town. The teachers knew, everybody knew. And he's like, no, I didn't know at all. Like if it's anybody's fault, it's both of our faults because you should have communicated better. I'm like, no, I told you in Ebonics. I told you in American English. I told you. At the school, I told you at the house, I told you at your mom's house, I told you at my parents' house, I told you in a car, I told you on the road, like on some Dr. Seuss. I told him, where is your mind at? Because I'm out of state. Who else is gonna be there for our son if my family wasn't there? Starting to see him unravel as a father was really difficult for me. I was just like, okay, this is something where I need to kinda pull the reins in and so I did start trying to have conversations with him about Judah being with me primarily and he would get so upset about that he's just like no he's my son you're not gonna take my son away from me and I'm like nobody's trying to take your son away from you if you want to come see him at the house come see him at the house if you want to spend time with him sometimes spend time but I just don't think you're in the right mindset to really be there for him. He just was not doing what he needed to do. And it wasn't just a school thing. There was also a time when he was supposed to come to my house and visit, and then he went missing with my son for like eight hours. I called his mom and asked where he was. She wouldn't tell me she was in a roundabout way. You need to call and talk to him. He's texting me that he just 
finished driving Uber. At the same time, his sister is on the phone with me telling me he just woke up and they're walking out the door. So I'm like, everybody's fucking lying and I can't tell why and it's weird, but my four month old son is out at 11 o'clock at night and I don't like that. Then they pull up on me and go to see my baby and he's drenched in sweat because he's like in the backseat of the car, there's no air on. Whenever I try to really like talk to him about that and try to get him to understand, maybe you need to take a step back and I can lean in forward. And I've done the same thing. I've had times where I was really hurting and things like that and I needed him to lean in. So I would let my son be with him for, you know, just a few hours while I could get myself together. I'm that type of woman. If I feel like I'm not in the right place, then I'm humble enough to be like, okay, I need you to lean in. But I also am woman enough to tell you, you need to step the fuck back if you're not showing up. And that's what was going on. So. Whenever I tried to come to him and really explain to him it would be in our son's best interest for him to have consistency, he would literally lash out on me and just start throwing real estate in my face, you know, laws and stuff. And then he would bring up the fact that we're married and we have equal rights. He can do whatever he wants to do. And I wasn't going to take his rights from him. Marriage really messes you up a man could be your boyfriend all day in the state of Georgia and you have leverage on him but marry him and he can drag you to hell and back oh my god it was horrible and so after we have this conversation I get yet another phone call and this phone call is from a family friend and she's like Amber I don't really know how to say this, but I really just want to put you up on game because JD brought this to me and I just don't feel like it's right. And I said, what's up? You know, just let me know. And she's like, I found out he's going on a date with another woman. And that right there was like, huh. All right. And so she was like, you know, I know it's devastating. I'm sorry. I really was hoping that y'all would work it out. But I just felt like I needed to tell you. And I said, I respect that and I really appreciate it. And to this day, I still do. So immediately when I get off the phone with her, I call him and I'm calm. Like I am most of the time. I'm like, I just got off the phone. You're going on a date with another woman. The day after we're supposed to be going to couples counseling. I understand that you're not going to take this seriously and that's okay. But what I want to do is... I want to thank you for all the lessons in love that you taught me. I really appreciate all the years that you did love me in a solid way. All the times that you fought for me, all the times that you showed up for me, you know, even when I didn't have my family how I need to. I really appreciate you. All the ways you went above and beyond, I'm grateful. But I'm done. And so he's like, no, we're not done. Like, it's really your fault. And where did you hear this? And uh, you shouldn't be snooping in my business anyway. And before I could even think about it, I just blurted out, I don't love you anymore. And it got so quiet on the phone. I was like, I, I don't. I don't love you anymore. I don't have it for you. I'm finished. I gave you your time to see if you can get your mind together. You're all over the place. Whatever you need to figure out, you need to figure it out by yourself. I don't have it for you. I'm ready to move on with my life and I'll be a single mom. And then I just hung up and I blocked him. And I called my friend Quanisha and I started watching Game of Thrones. And I was just chilling and I was just minding my business and I was eating my food, having a good time. And <laughs> I'm on the phone with her and we're just talking and I can hear my phone line beeping. And I don't really block people. So I'm like, oh, that's what this is. This nigga keep calling me. We on the phone. And it has beeped like 10 times. 
is beeping. The beeps keep getting faster and faster. And so I go to unblock him. As soon as I do that, I hear banging on my front door. Mind you, my, my room is on the back of the house. So I'm like, is that my house? Like, what is that? So I hear like frantic banging, knocking. I hear commotion outside. I go downstairs and I see shadows in the back of my house. I see shadows in the front. I'm like, I'm thinking it's like a fire or something outside. I'm like, what's going on? So I'm on the phone with Quee and I'm looking out my windows. I don't see nobody. So I open up my door. And as soon as I open up my door, this nigga's in my house. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, what the fuck? He's in my house and he's like, I just want to talk. And I'm just, please talk, me and you. And I'm like, all right. So I tell Quanisha that I'm going to call her back, which was the fucking worst decision. Do not do this ever. Keep somebody on the phone. Just be like, haha, I'm going to call you back. And then tell them to stay on the phone just in case. Because the way that this man acted after I got her off the phone horrified me. So we're in my house and immediately when I get her off the phone, he grabs me and he's holding on to me and it's the most uncomfortable thing. I'm the type of person where I don't really like to be touched like that. Like I'm better now, but if I'm upset, I really don't want to be touched. And so if you're bigger than me and you make me touch you, it's a consent thing. Like I didn't consent to you touching me. So you're violating my boundaries. I don't like that. So he is literally holding on to me like a toddler. So like I'm trying to walk around my house and get away from him. I'm dragging him around my house and he's heavy. Like he's big and he's just like very erratic. So I'm like, bro, this not even a good look. Like, can you just not do this? And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, we're not breaking up. We're going to be together forever. This and that. And I'm like, bro, it's over with. Like, you don't want me. And that's cool. Because I don't want this situation. And that's cool. Like, let's just go our separate ways. I'm not going to be unhappy. Like, I'm fun. And I'm funny. And I'm not going to be a bitter bitch with you. Like, what are we doing? So, this is going on for like an hour. And I'm starting to get real scared. Because I'm like, bro. Quanisha, the only person who know he here, she in Houston. I don't even know if she know my address. Like, nobody else knows he's here, and he's such in a fragile place. I don't know what's about to happen. So, I end up, like, kind of just starting to do little things and kind of play it off. And he kind of eased up a little bit, but he's still following me everywhere. So, I go upstairs, and I turn on my show, and I pretend like he's not here. And he's talking to me and talking to me and talking. He's like, about this girl, she don't mean nothing. I want to be with you. And if I can't be with you, then I'm just going to be using women for the rest of my life. I said, what? He's like, this girl, like, I'm about to use her too. He said, she about to pay for everything. She taking me out for my birthday. She's spending cash on me. I ain't asked her to go out. She asked me to go out. And this is how I'm about to live my life. Either I'm going to be with you or I'm going to be using women. So which one you want? And I was like, you thought that was going to make me feel better. But it actually doesn't because you talking about using these women like they don't matter when your ass could turn around and use me as well. <laughs> so why would I want to be with somebody like that? Like, I don't want to be with nobody who thinks so vindictively, like somebody who's such a user and a leech, like, and who's such a snake, like who wants to be with somebody like me? He would always tell me, I didn't really cheat because I haven't touched anybody. It's not cheating because I didn't touch anybody. I don't care <laughs> if you cross me you cross me bitch you did some shit you wasn't supposed to do and i don't play about that 
All right, this is a quick PSA for all my ladies because I love y'all dearly, okay? Especially my black women, right? Your man of your dreams does not come with a newborn baby, okay? I'm just going to tell you 9.9999 times out of 10, that man is not worth your time, okay? And I want you to think about it like this. Having a newborn is the most stressful time in your life, right? So what man of quality would one leave a woman with a newborn by herself, right? To be single and he's worthy. And then what woman would have a man who is like the man of your dreams and would want to be left without him with that newborn baby? Think about that. Because if he was so great, wouldn't they still be together? Wouldn't he still be taking time to get to know his baby? Wouldn't he be prioritizing being a father over dating? Think about those types of things, okay? And I mean, my baby was fresh out the womb, three to five months when he's dating. So it's like, just think about that, right? If you're meeting a man with a five-month-old, he shouldn't even have the time to really talk to you. And y'all can feel how y'all want to feel. There are exceptions to the rule. Maybe if the mother is incarcerated or if she's passed. But either way, those are two very traumatizing things. And I think he should probably be in counseling for both of those. And so if you meet this man, he has a newborn baby, he says he's single and he's not in counseling and he's not one of those exceptions, you need to keep it moving because nine times out of 10, you're putting yourself into a situation where you're going to be used. So I just want you to be mindful of that. Okay, let that be one of your cardinal rules that you sit on. I think we really need to understand the difference between fighting in a healthy way for your relationship and then a nigga throwing a temper tantrum. Because I've seen a lot of niggas throw temper tantrums for their relationships. You know, so I've seen them pull up to where you at. I've seen them violate boundaries, scream, yell, beg, plead, cry. That is not fighting for your relationship or even fighting too. You know, I've seen people be like, you know, relationships are so hard. You're going to fight sometimes. You shouldn't be fighting all the time. And just because you're fighting doesn't mean you're fighting for your relationship. A healthy way of fighting for a relationship is seeking counseling, right? Reading books, okay? Changed behavior, <laughs> all right? Trying to actually make things right. Letting somebody heal on their own time instead of trying to speed up their healing process. Okay, being really open to the conversation, because when you're really trying to get back right with somebody, you have to be on their terms, especially when you're the one that did the wrong. Right. And that goes for it's, it's genderless. It goes for everybody. In my situation, he was not fighting for me. And I think that was what was like commonly misconstrued. A lot of people would be like, oh, my gosh, well, he's still showing up. He's still there. Just because somebody is there does not mean that they're fighting in a healthy way for the relationship. Sometimes people are just occupying your space so that nobody else can come in. Sometimes they're occupying your space to see, you know, if it's still good, if they can still kind of have a weight back in to manipulate you, to use you. You just have to be really mindful of certain things and how people are interacting with you. If it doesn't feel good, chances are it's not healthy and it's not good for you. Okay. And that's something that I really had to sit with for myself is like trusting my intuition and going with those feelings. People really try to negate feelings most of the time. Like they're not a good way to base your decisions off of. 
they always take take your emotions out of the situation. When it comes to relationships and pretty much everything in life, I think you should factor in your emotions. Logic, yes, but emotions as well because you can't just cancel out how you feel. If a situation does not feel right to you, whether it's a job, a relationship, a religion, if it feels like you're going against the grain, something is not agreeing in your spirit and you need to take time to really evaluate if you're making the best decisions for yourself. So I'm not attracted to men who cannot provide for me, and that is mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and financially. So at this point, I'm not attracted to this man at all. He's not my type because my type of man is a provider. So all the feelings for me were out the window. I told this nigga if he ever wanted to talk to me again, he had to pay me restitution. And I was dead serious. And that's if you want me to look your way. If you ever want a chance with me again, pay me money. Then put me through school. Pay off my house and my card. But of course, he couldn't do that. All right, you guys. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Stepdaddy Season. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to my story, to support me. Please like this podcast, leave a review, follow me on Instagram at stepdaddyseasonpod. Feel free to send me an email to stepdaddyseason at gmail.com. Let me know what's going on with you. If the story resonates with you, please let me know. Please feel free to interact with me via Instagram. If you or someone that you know is in a domestic violence situation, help is available. You can call 1-800-799-7233 to talk to a domestic violence counselor. Even if you don't know if you're in the situation, please feel free to reach out. Nobody will judge you and it's completely anonymous. You can also text START in all caps to 88788 for more help. There's also a chat online at chat.thehotline.us, and this is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Please be kind to yourself. Be gentle with yourself if you're in a situation like this. Try to give yourself grace. It takes a lot of courage to make it out of one of these situations, and as long as you can keep some kind of love and some kind of hope for yourself, you're going to make it through. I hope that this podcast gives you some kind of comfort, maybe even a little joy here and there. (laughs) Join me next week for a mini-sode where we answer the question, does your partner have cult leader potential? A deep dive into love bombing, gaslighting, and other tactics that people use in relationships to manipulate their partners. I'm hoping that my mini-sodes will give us time to process together and really learn some of the psychology that's behind these problematic behaviors in our relationships so we can know what to avoid and how to directly combat these issues in our lives. This show is executive produced and written by me, Amber Inadehi. Music for this podcast is executive produced by Malcolm X. You can follow him on Instagram at I am Malcolm X underscore. You'll also be able to find his information inside my show notes. If you like the art and advertisements that you see, those are produced by Artistically Esoteric LLC. You can follow us on Instagram at Artistically ESO. This information will also be provided in the show notes. And remember, it's fine if you come for the mess, as long as you stay for the message. See you next time, shawty. I know it's, it's slow, but...
It's slow for us too. It's a panoramic. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs>